Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Breaking news. Now, obviously, we're not the first people in the world to break this news, but we have set up here in Dubai for an emergency podcast episode. I'm going to call this 213. Okay. 14, in fact. It's 214. Is that what it is? Yes. Wow, it's flown. Um, time's flying when players are jumping ships from one tour to another tour. The breaking news is John Rahm has signed for Live. It's official. There's been rumours for many, many weeks. To be fair, 
Hi, Guy, by the way. How are you? Hi, Rick. I feel like we've just jumped straight in. We've just jumped straight in. One thing I want to get off my chest early doors. We're going out to Top Golf very, very soon. I'm very excited. Are you excited? I'm super excited. And I thought I'd have a shave for the podcast and before I go to Top Golf. I've cut myself. It's bleeding. I'm Ironic- fine. Ironically, one of uh, John Rahm's sponsors. Top Golf. Top Golf, yes, it is indeed. Someone who um, was talking about today quite a bit. Um, yeah, the, the news is broke. Um, we woke up here in Dubai and it was literally all over Instagram. Pictures of John Rahm in his live bomber jacket, shaking hands with Greg Norman. He has now officially signed for live. Uh, Rumours have it, a squillion dollars. Mm, I thought it was two squillion. Something in that region. In the squillions. It's hard to say exactly how much. We've got a nice new screensaver. Just let it roll. Um, it, it's hard to say how many... Um, how much he's going to get paid for it? There's rumours anywhere between $300 million and $600 million. I, think- I mean, it's quite a big difference that, but obviously nobody actually fully knows apart from Liv mm-hmm. and John Rahm. Mm-hmm. Just to interrupt this emergency podcast with more breaking news, Sunday, the 10th of December, RS merch is on sale from rickshields.com. Com. You're going to want to check it out. Head covers, ball markers, pitchforks, and some apparel. Check it out at rickshields.com. Sunday, the 10th of December, 4 p.m. UK time. It's being released. I think I've heard that, yeah, I've heard the 450 million quite a lot, which is right in between that 300 and 600. I've also heard 450 million pounds. Wow. I think so, there's something that I've heard as well is that it might be, some of that might be cash, will be cash, of course. Some of it might be equity into the team's going to be owning, which is hard to really measure how much that's actually worth. But either way, John Rahm has overnight become, I'm going to say become a wealthy guy. He was already a wealthy guy. He's become one of the highest paid sports stars on the planet. It's mad. I'm, I'm finding it hard to digest a little bit, if I'm honest with you, Guy. I feel like the, the rumours really, really started become rife when he pulled out a TGL. Yes. And I remember a few weeks ago, we were on the podcast saying that TGL, John Ratton, and I honestly went on record to say, I don't think he's signing for Liv. I think mm-hmm. it's something else. It's conflict of schedule or whatever it may be, how wrong I was. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, I do feel a little bit flat mm-hmm. and I can't describe why. Because it's not as if, for me, you know, it's not I'm watching tour golf every single weekend. It's not as if John Rahm is even playing tour golf, PJ Tour, every single weekend or DP World. I don't know. I just feel a bit, I don't know. I feel a bit lost with it. I'm not sure what the direction of future professional golf looks like. And, f- it, and it does, it scares me a little bit. But do you, is that more, not even the future of professional golf, is that more the fact that John Rahm was probably one of the top few guys who was adamant he wouldn't go to live? I think Rory's probably only the guy that is more anti-live. And the fact that he's now essentially jumped ship, he's taken the money. Is that almost more you almost kind of feel cheated by that we believed him. He was adamant. We felt like the PJ tours where he'd stay in the DP world tour. That's what matters. The, you know, that kind of, you can't buy golf, but this does almost prove that actually people can be bought. Well, as, as recent as August this year, he said on record, I laugh when people rumor me with live golf. Wow. And it wasn't that long ago when he said, I, um, July, I do believe that some punishment should be in order, but I don't know what. That's in regarding players who have joined mm-hmm. Live. Back in June, he's saying, truth be told, I could retire now mm-hmm. uh, with what I made and I'm, I'd live a very happy life and not need to play golf ever again. I've never really played the game of golf for monetary reasons. Yeah. I, I don't, 
I don't know what it is. I just I, there's something in me that just doesn't it doesn't quite sit right now. Oddly enough, John Rahm actually got to meet him in August of this year, and he actually says he does listen to the podcast. We so might well be listening to this today. Wow. So, John, if you do want to come on the podcast, <laughs> feel free to reach out. Let's 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 hear your take on it. Um, I mean. There's been a few other quotes that have come out today about him wanting to reach a new audience. Nonsense. I, I do think that's nonsense. Because regardless of whether it's a new audience, it's not as big an audience as what no. he was already on, whether it's going to become bigger or not. He also talks about how he wants to grow the game. I don't believe that for a fact. As in, I, I do believe that he wants to grow the game, as I think most professional golfers do. But I don't believe he's moved to live to grow the game. No. Um, he's, he's, let's be honest, he's gone to live because they have literally said to him, how, there's a blank check, how much would you like? Well, what's also interesting now is the, obviously, the, the PJ Tour are in talks with PIF and this framework agreement about this kind of new company and, and what professional golf is going to look like. I think that has to be, I think, well, the deadline for that was the end of this year. Now that Liv have got one of the, best players in the world. I think you can't argue top he's three third player. player. He's, he's, player. He's, 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 it goes between him, obviously Rory and Scotty Scheffler as the best players in the world. That obviously has to strengthen, live their roster. But one thing that I can't really look past though is as much as I think John Ramis is clearly one of the best golfers in the world and I, I kind of like him from what I've seen. If you actually look already at Live Golf, they've got a handful of guys who you would already say are kind of needle movers. If you look at Phil Mickelson, you look at Bryson, you look at uh, Brooks Kepka, Cameron Smith, all of those guys are big enough names to make live golf more exciting to the kind of maybe people, the people on the fence, myself included in that. John Rahm, 100% I will watch the first live event that John Rahm plays and see what it's like. But is even John Rahm big enough to convince you or me to watch live golf every event? So what's also going to come out, he's not going to be joining any t any team. He's going to have his own team. He's going to be the captain of his own team. The next question is, who's going to be on his team? Yeah. What potentially is the team going to be called? Is it going to be called name something better than the existing teams that are out there? Um, and like you say, the first event of the season, which I think I believe is in February time, there will be massive hype around it. Mm -hmm. John Rahm, teeing off, he'll be in the first group that the shotgun start will be going off and he'll be, he'll be there with Greg Norman hitting the probably the first tee shot of everyone going and that's his kind of mark that's him moved officially gone to live but like I say even after that they're still in this position I've spent a bit of time with Bryson last week you heard the Bryson podcast hopefully you all enjoyed it I think the comments were very very positive mm -hmm. but a lot of the reasons why a lot of these players are still moving and why they believe live golf tour is best is for benefits for themselves I don't think it's benefits for the fans no. yet at all. I really, but as in like, I, you know, the team element, I still don't think it's connected with the fans. The fact that it's a, a um, shotgun start, I still don't think has uh, resonated with the fans. Um, the money obviously has definitely not resonated with the fans. So uh, I'll be very interested to see how his, how his transition moves across there. Um, the other thing, as you mentioned just then, when you now actually look at characters mm -hmm. and you talked about needle movers, there's, needle, there's also characters, people you actually want to watch. You can't neglect now, like you mentioned, Liv's roster now, Liv's players. They've got a strong, strong field. I think I saw a stat before that from 2020 to now, the PJ Tour has got eight major champions and Liv has got seven. Wow. So if you think about all well, championships, sorry, from 2020 to now. So in terms of elite winners, 
it's looking more and more neck and neck. And I'd also go as far as saying more household names. Yeah. I think if you picked up some more casual golf fans and put a list of live players together and a list of the top 20 players on the PJ Tour right now and said, can you, which, which list can you name the most of? Mm-hmm. I think most people would be able to list the, the live players more of because they've got had a bit more heritage in the game. I'm not saying every single player, but a bit more heritage in the game. For example, they're going to know who Poulter is. They're going to probably know who Bryson DeChambeau is. They're probably going to know who Dustin Johnson is, et cetera. Um, there's other news, and I don't think we've spoke about it yet on the podcast. Uh, next year, the UK Live Tournament is being hosted at one of our favourite golf courses yeah. in the entire world, somewhere we've filmed that absolutely loads. It's going to JCV. Crazy. Now, there's a part of me that's tremendously excited about that because it's a golf course that, obviously, I know incredibly well. We've had the privilege of playing it loads of times. Film there loads and loads. I know the guys there unbelievably well. I feel like to some degree, it's like my second home really mm-hmm. from a golf course standpoint yeah. after like the Marriott Worsley Park. And to have some of those players going around there, I've been to a seniors tour event there. You see see the crowds that turn up for that. I'm so fascinated to see what the crowds are going to be like for JCB. In that area, the middle of England, just outside Birmingham, to have a live event with all those top players. Well, we've said this before many a time, and I said this to somebody yesterday, I can't even think who it was, but someone we were chatting to, that regardless of what you think of watching live on the TV or streaming it, and again, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan, I've said that a million times. One thing I cannot deny, I've been to, to well, the same live event, but two years running in London. It, as a spectator, as a fan, it really is a good day. And like you said, an event that's so much really in the heart of the UK that will be some event. And some of the players that are going to be playing, obviously now including John Rahm in that list, that is going to be one exciting event. But it kind of keeps bringing me back to the point of, in my head, well, let's just say again, John Rahm wins that event, which he may well do, or Brooks Kepka wins that event. Still, what does it mean? But again, having said that, what do PJ Tour events mean now? You know, if the best players are leaving potentially, well, I'll leave in the PJ Tour. You know that now there's no Brooks Kepka, there's no John Rahm. Does that start to really kind of scale down the PJ Tour, how much that actually matters? And does it mean now that it's really all about the majors? And I've seen, again, comments today and I've heard things today that people are saying that if we're not careful, golf is going to become like tennis, where it's only the majors, the slams that matter. But what I can't work out is, is that a bad thing or not? There's going to be four marquee events here that matter. Or do we want all the PJ Tour events, live events to matter? I, for the first time, as, as from growing up playing golf and playing golf for now 26 years of my life, for the first time ever, I'm a little bit uneasy with how professional golf is right now. Mm. And, and the uncertainties, the, the direction it's going into, the importance of it, the relevance of it. Um you know, I've, I've been on record again loads of times to say I don't particularly like all this money. I know we started this podcast. We're talking about how much money John Rahm signed for, but it's obviously a hot topic. It, it just feels to me still like the sport is, <laughs> is, is, I think it's losing its track a little bit. I think the, after the COVID boom and everyone getting into golf and everyone was loving golf, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely do worry about the, the future of the game a little bit more now than ever before. Just because it's uncertain. Now, mm. it doesn't mean it's not going to be fine in 10 years. It's just, 
anything when it's when it's changing or it's molding or it's a, we, we're seeing a new future of, of golf and we you know we might even get into the the facts of the golf ball rolling back topic mm-hmm. a little bit as well today I don't know it just feels like there's a lot of change in golf and I, and I don't know if I like it that much I, I, I'd agree and I know and I definitely get where you're coming from and certainly the world that we're living in where we're thinking about golf almost 24 7 we're looking at the golf news we're in the kind of golf media space I, I think you're right and I think professional golf is in an unknown spot however we've been very fortunate this last week and you've been hit well you've been filming for two weeks in america and, and obviously now in, in dubai busy golf courses lots of people playing golf does the average person playing golf actually care most people play golf because they enjoy it they're like socializing with friends like trying to improve like maybe playing relatively competitively keeping fit exercise and maybe watches a bit of golf on tv to wind down occasionally but is it, is it going to have any impact on, on their enjoyment of the game? I just don't want it to get too elitist. And I, I could weirdly see a future where it will do. But how, how did that filter down from the live, et cetera, to actually the man on the street or woman on the street? As an elitist, I think that it, it's going to... Golf courses are going to be getting busier. Green fees are going to going up. Golf club expenses are going up quite a bit. Memberships are going up. I feel like, if anything, it's kind of like golf's becoming harder to get into a little bit. You know, even even driving ranges are more expensive than what they've ever used to be. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I just I, I feel like this money that's being put right to the top of the game. And, and again, I've said this loads of times, I don't mind players being bloody billionaires because they deserve it. But I just really, really, really hope this, this somehow, however it works out, however the future looks, it can all pan down to the average golfer that mm-hmm. does get to play at a golf course that's more reasonably priced or golf clubs that are more reasonably valued or, you know, to be able to get open up that kind of game really to most people, you know, what, what I'd be really interested to see. And if John Rahm, again, I'd love to have him on the podcast. I really would. I'd love to ask him if he's talking about how he wants to grow the game. I want to ask him how, like how does he actually see himself growing the game? And, and if the answer is just, we, we're putting on an exciting ex- exhibition, that's not growing the game. Like how do, money, money grows the game. Mm-hmm. Like how does this money, whether it's your money or influence from you, how does that grow the game for future people? Could you argue, and again, I'm very much playing devil's advocate and I don't believe what I'm about to say, but could you argue there is an aspect of live that could grow the game in a sense of we know that professional golf is flawed in the sense that it's four rounds of stroke play. It's quite boring to watch on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, really, even most of Sunday for most people, unless it's a massive event or you're a hardcore fan. Is there a part of live with the team element and the kind of more glitz and it's a bit more in your face? Could that genuinely appeal to more casual sports fans who might then get into golf? I think where, where I'm happy to admit right now, live is, is without question changing the game. Whether it's then growing the game, I, I still don't think it is. For all those reasons where I still don't believe fans are really engaging with the teams. I really don't think fans are really engaging with three rounds of stroke play. If it was totally, totally different, if it was a totally different mm. product again, almost it reinvented itself and went, right, we've got all the players now, got everyone on board. We're not getting world ranking points. So let's just let's just bin that off. That's not part. We don't almost have, because I, to some degree, it wouldn't surprise me if the three rounds of golf and 54 holes, almost that was like, we're probably just going to scrape in still having um, world ranking points. If they now just go, you know what? We're not getting world ranking points. The majors, if players are going to qualify, fine. Let's rip up the rule book again and almost start again. Yeah. Quite question then for you. When you watch professional golf, whatever it might be, why do you watch it? 
probably supporting a number of reasons. Number one is I like to see who's won the high profile events. Mm-hmm. So who's the best players essentially? Yeah, and that's not hands. I've said this loads. It's not every single event. No, am I watching DP World tomorrow? No, am I watching? Um, you know, whatever whatever event it be, no. But I'm watching the real flagship events. They're, they're for me, and, and I think the majors have done very, very well mm-hmm. out of all this. I think they've managed to kind of stay above everyone, yeah, which I think I they've agree. done a great job of. I then, I then for me, it's characters. Right. So I love seeing people who I either have met or filmed with or, or are fond of do well, and I, and I love that excitement. I love seeing big names go against each other. Mm-hmm. So I love seeing it when John Rahm is going against Rory McIlroy. I love the fact when it's down the stretch and it's like, I'll happily be sat there with my wife on a Sunday afternoon, be scrolling through um, Instagram or Twitter and it's like nine holes and John Rahm and Rory McIlroy mm-hmm. are tied. I'm like, brilliant. And and, and well, the reason that what I'm trying to get to, I guess, with that then is that you've answered Banner both, but my, my question with both things I was looking at, for me, I think for a lot of people, we're looking at professional golf. Who's the best player in the world? Who is the best player? Who's going to win that green jacket? Who's going to hold a claret jug, etc. And suppose you look at a sport like boxing, you've got like professional boxing where at the top, it's who's going to win the belt? Who is the best heavyweight champion boxer or whatever it might be? But now, and this is maybe a silly example, we've got like influencer boxing where you've got the guys like Jake Paul fighting Tommy Fury. Now, whoever wins that fight, and obviously Tommy Fury did win, but whoever won that fight is not for one minute the best boxer in the world, nowhere near. But people get drawn into it. Some people get drawn into it. Certainly myself, I'll hold my hands up for the entertainment. The press conferences the week before, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you, da, 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 da. And ultimately you get sucked into it and you watch. But you know that actually, in reality, the outcome the next day is, is, is irrelevant. For me, I admit, live feels irrelevant because who matter again, going back to the JCB point, it doesn't matter who wins at JCB. However, if we have the four majors and, and a handful of other events where that really is about who wins, is there actually space for more just fun events where maybe Team Golf does thrive? We've played a bit of Team Golf these last few days. The videos about in a few weeks or even months. It's so much fun to play. Yeah. Is there a time? Is there is there a place for this if it is done right? Yeah, twice a year. The Ryder Cup, twice a year. Oh, twice a year. Once every <laughs> two, two years, years at the Ryder Cup. Is that all? The, it all of it though. Is there not more? Like you're saying, you love watching, you know, um, Rory and and John Rahm going down the stretch, which I agree, I do. But you could still have Rory and John Rahm going down the stretch, but in a in a in a match play event. Yeah, but again, it it's almost got to mean more than like, for example, the Tiger film match, the mm-hmm. match that they had. I kind of watched that. But I wasn't dead invested who won yeah, that. Because it means nothing. Because, yeah, because it yeah. was, what was it, a million pounds or whatever? A million dollars yeah, yeah. or whatever. They were, and it's not, it's it's the fact at the end, I want to see a putt go in and I want to see a golfer roar emotion. Mm-hmm. Like it's meant everything to them. We, we uh, did a podcast with Tommy yesterday and that's going to be coming out in a few weeks. Uh, it's a couple of days ago, it'll be coming out in a few weeks. It was great, by the way, really, really good. Tommy's such a great guy. Yes. And he had two missions in life, he said, in golfing career, not to give too much away. He wants to become the world number one mm-hmm. and he wants to win the Open. Mm-hmm. Now I know now, and he said, look, after spending, when he holds that putt to win the Open, imagine the emotion that's going to mm-hmm. pour out of him. And, and nobody watching is going to be able to deny that emotion and that, like you're going to watch him. And I, I know I'll be crying, but he watched him when he wins the Open Championship. And like, because that's everything he's gone for. It's yeah. everything, like everything, everything, everything. 
to some sense, you get that with all the four majors mm -hmm, every single of year. Course. You get that with the Ryder Cup every other year, okay? Every two years. You get that when you see a rookie win, it, win his first ever PGA Tour event. Mm -hmm. You get that when you see a journeyman like a Richard Bland. Yeah. You know, years, a couple of years, years ago, ago, before yeah. he joined Liv, when he won at the Belfry at yeah. the British Masters, he'd been out on tour for all those years and he finally made a, a, a win on the European Tour. You see it when it's like you say, it's two golfers who are going head to head and it's not about the money. It's not about, it's about that raw emotion that they want to win that. They're so passionate about it. At the moment, and again, this is maybe not what I'm seeing. When Taylor Gooch goes and wins his third live event of the year or mm. whoever, Harold Varner. The, the only time I did see it, Harold Varner, when he won like the Saudi Invitational a few years ago, and he held that monster, monster, monster port. And it was raw emotion. It's like, yeah, mm. that's that's what I want to see. I want to see that raw emotion. Um, and and uh, for me, the more it, it moves away from that, and I'm not, I'm, I can't, I might be wrong, but I don't see a future where I support a team. I don't see how that, how that. No, I, I agree. And, and I, I think. still don't get who are supporting teams. No. And I suppose that is something that I don't get either. I don't support any of the live teams. I don't know how you get into supporting a team. But I suppose if you did, and the question's if, or if you played for Smash Golf Club, could there be a future where actually that does mean something? If you think about football now, I support Liverpool, you support Manchester United, two massive rivals. When those players play against each other and score that winning goal at Old Trafford at Anfield, it means you can see it means so much to them. It means the world to the managers, to the fans, to everybody. And that's obviously a team game. There could be a future where Bryson holds a putt for the Crushers and it absolutely means the world to him. But. And I'll, I'll eat my words when it. No, when and, it and I, I, again, but. How does that happen? Is it just that's time? I mean, that's is I, it? That's still the, the piece of the jigsaw that I just don't see happening. And with time, what, what does time actually do with all of this? It, let's give it 10 years and, and we're right. We've got the crushers, the smashers, G Majestics and all this. And, and let's say for argument's sake, just, just hypothetically, in 10 years time, four of my favorite, favorite players... And now on one team together, mm. which is highly unlikely, by mm. the way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's highly unlikely. My four favorite players are going to be on the same team. At that point, you might think, oh, yeah, that was good. I'm glad they won. I still don't think I'm going to be like diehard. I can't imagine a day. And again, I'd be so wrong. Where you're talking about being a Liverpool fan, and I'm talking about United fan, and that's in our root, that's in our DNA, that's probably who our families have supported, it's the areas that we're from, mm -hmm. it's, we've been to the matches, we've seen that emotion, you know, we've celebrated those goals when it goes in last minute against our rivals, whatever it may be. I don't see a future where you're, you're a bloody Majestics fan and I'm a Fireballs fan. No. And, and they're playing against each other and I'm, it's like, I'm not talking to you if, if, if I lose you. I just no, don't and, see and, and it. And I, I, I don't, I'm very much playing devil's advocate here. I suppose the difference over time, it's history, it's story, it's kind of legacy. And what was interesting then, you said about your four favourite players being on a team because you're thinking of individual players still naturally. I suppose over time, people support a team, don't they? It's like in football, again, if I go back to Liverpool, I support Liverpool, Mo Salah plays for Liverpool if he left for Real Madrid I don't suddenly start supporting Real Madrid because no. the players left I still support Liverpool and I'll be the same with again if Smash Golf Club if, if Brooks ever left although it's his team people would still support Smash but you're right it's, it's how does it get to that point and I don't know the answer with the Ryder Cup it's obvious if you live in the USA yeah. you support the USA if you're in Europe you support Europe typically obviously for most people that's how it, how it is 
I think it's so new. And again, I'm a massive critic of Liv. I really am. But I think to give it some leeway, it's so new. People don't have those feelings for TMD no. yet, really. But I, you said, how does that start? I, I, I don't think the know. only way you could have done it is if if the team if the team you supported was automatic, like you said. If, if it was, was country, a, if there was or, an English team or a UK team, yeah, and then there was an Australian team, and obviously you'd have to have a few American teams, but you'd have a West Coast team, a, mm-hmm. a South, you know, an East Coast team, whatever it may be. You'd have a South African team. You have a, a your whatever team. Then you then you're almost decisions yeah. selected for you because even then, like let's say you're, you're just for being a person from that country, you're expected to have supported that team. But let me just throw something at you. Question then: I know you're semi into F1. How do people support F1 teams? I still I still think there's a level of patronism between certain teams for example ferrari is all about italian fans like love ferrari i'm not saying that's for every single one um that's 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 a good question Um, because that you've got red bull and a lot you do see it now more it's got more again mainstream since obviously drivers have you do occasionally people wearing a red bull merch or mclaren or obviously mercedes but they have fans and, and I think people, I might be wrong, people might correct me in the comments. I think people still say if you swap Mercedes now and Hamilton's there, if he leaves, I think oh, he's such a big name, people might change team. I think people still support Mercedes. Yeah. It's I, a I, funny one, isn't it? I mean, I but it's legacy, it's history. It is legacy and it's history. But also, I think there's there's a level of, I, I still think there's a level of you support those brands because they're potentially from made in your country. Still, Maybe, I still but, think there's country, uh, you know, for example, it's easy for me to, I'm probably, I'm a more Mercedes fan right now. It's easy for me because there's two English guys who both drive for Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton and, and George Russell, Russell. So it's like, it's almost a little bit easier well, for me at the moment. Maybe answering but the question. I'm also that a Lando just, Norris fan. Well, again, that's personality driven. It's. I think maybe answering my own question, I don't know the answer. Was it was Schumacher a Ferrari driver? Yeah. I don't even know. You know, if you ask somebody who's, who's a hardcore Ferrari fan, you know, why do you support Ferrari? Their answer maybe, you know, oh well, I grew up watching racing, and he was. My, I, well, I remember my first ever memory was that red car going on a track, and, and ever since then, and that comes out of that history piece, doesn't it? Whereas now, if you're, you know, you've got a little boy who's six, yeah, if he's watching and live and all of a sudden he watches smash and he likes the blue kit or whatever or majestics for whatever reason i don't know and all of a sudden that just sticks with him that Maybe that's could, it. i know it's it's hard to we can't imagine i'm with you i can't imagine ever supporting a live team but maybe that's how it is um also in kind of more also breaking news the ball is rolling back mm, spinning back it's spinning back it's not going to go as far not maybe not as dramatic of a change as I maybe thought, I thought everyone would start using like wiffle golf balls yeah. and it only be going like 50 yards. But basically for tour level golfers, they're going to be losing on about 10 to 12 miles, uh, t- 10 to 12 yards. Yeah. And for the average golfer, they're going to be losing like five yards. But that's they? with a driver as yeah. well. So it gets less, obviously, as you go down the bag. It's not a big, not a massive change, no. is it? Um, I'm glad now that it's going to be global, mm-hmm. universal for professionals and amateurs. It's going to be for everybody in the game. I'm happier with that decision because there was a lot of talk about there's going to be a ball just for professionals yeah. and a ball for amateurs, which I wasn't the biggest fan of. Um, it's going to kick in f- in 2028 for the professionals, 2030 for the amateur golfers. Um, it, it, it's had very, very mixed thoughts, hasn't it? I think most people, from what I'm seeing on comments, is it's negative it's not a particularly positive mm-hmm. thing so, and a lot of ball brands are just 
not happy with it at all. No, I think ball brands I understand. I think, again, like before in the media, I understand people having an opinion either for or against. And, and to be honest with you, I'm very much on the fence at the moment. I've kind of got, I look at some of the four things that, yeah, you know, golf courses can't keep getting longer. The tour pros hitting it so far. I understand it. Then on the other side of the coin, I think everyone loves hitting a long drive. Why shouldn't amateur be punished by five or ten yards, wherever it might be? I think in reality, in reality, the average person that goes on a weekend and just plays a bit of golf and enjoys it, going to go into the pro shop and buy a dozen balls like they do most months or whatever it might be, are actually going to have no idea. There'll be a date on 1st of January 2030 where that ball suddenly changes and they go from the Pro V1 that looks like that to a new one and they don't really see much difference, is my opinion. There's a, there's a couple, there's so many things to unpick and we'll obviously find out near the time. How are we going to identify between a, a, a an old ball and a new Very ball, true, yeah. like, is it going to be is it going to be an asterisk or is it going to be a you know whatever that what's the there's going to have to be one universal mark because obviously the ball over the years has changed a lot mm-hmm. but it's always been noticeable for the last change was the fact that the ball was smaller and then it went bigger That's, that you can see that it's quite clear um, and I still think you can use the smaller ball I think just the maximum size went up. Um, you could still use the smaller ball, but this you just won't be able to use the older ball because it's it'll be deemed illegal. So that'll be quite interesting. The other big thing as well, everyone's back on a level playing field in the golf ball market mm. right now. For twenty odd years, I've played Pro V One. You've been the same. That has been the number one ball in golf. Titles Pro V One. That is they've established it as we've just been talking about. That's made its reputation over twenty plus years of yeah. hard work of dedication to get the number one ball in golf. Well, the RNA and the USGA have just basically ripped all Start that hard again. work up and said, playing level playing field. Because now, who says the next Titleist golf ball, Pro V2, that they come mm-hmm. out with, is going to be as good as the Pro V1 in, in performance? Like, And who knows that Taylor May might bring out the, the actual best golf ball. Or, you know, not that they bring out a bad ball now, but it's like, I don't think it's very good. I think for for and for other, also for golf ball companies, there'll be a couple of things that they'll be happy with. One that's universal because they will have to sell. They'll sell new golf balls because everyone in the world will have to buy new golf balls. So that's good for the brands. But think about how much R and D and machinery that they've, that they've paid for mm. to make these balls that they make now. Which again, it's all going to have to be modified. It's going to be scrapped to allow to make the kind of new golf ball. In reality, it's a very good point. But in reality, I actually think it will it will make no difference because I think I, I was listening to something the other day and I, I'm going to get this wrong now, but essentially the way they test now is that the golf ball on the test they have for the USJ and the RNA can go, it's a maximum of, let's just say it's 320 yards and that the robot essentially is swinging at like 115 miles an hour. So the golf ball at that in that particular test, if it goes 331, it's illegal, it's non-conforming, it can't be sold. But what they're now doing is the same test, but the robot, will now swing at essentially 125 miles an hour. It's the robot is swinging faster. So that same golf ball, let's call it a modern day Pro V1, with this new robot swing would go beyond that 330 yards so it would be illegal. So the golf ball has to slow down to make sure it doesn't go exceed 330 with me. But essentially every manufacturer's golf ball from the big brands will still probably be on that limit. So you wouldn't imagine really there'll actually be that much difference between brands. But who knows? You know, ultimately now, we could say that about the modern day. There's no difference between a Pro V1 and a TP5 and a Bridgestone, etc. But I still always navigate and, and gravitate towards a Pro V1. It, 
kind of trust. So who knows? Um, you're right. Maybe maybe Taylor made up with the big ball brand. And also, I'm, I'm guessing it's all going to be internal. Like the actual core of the golf ball is what's going to change because that's going to have the biggest impact on the distance. You think so? Yeah. Because uh, I don't think the cover is going to make a big difference. The dimple pattern will maybe, make a big difference. It might be up to the manufacturer how they do it. I actually don't know. As long as it doesn't exceed that limit on the test, I actually don't know. It's a good question. I'm, I'm guessing from from what I'm on. My guess would be that the actual core of the golf ball would have to change. And yeah. if, if that's the case, that it won't be that stupidly expensive for the golf ball manufacturers to, to you know, they won't have to scrap all the machinery really because yeah. the molds and everything will be the same. It's just the inserts will just be slightly different material. And also having said that as well, though, it's, it's obviously going to be 2030 when it's illegal, but that's only for, for tournament play really. So if you're a casual golfer who literally goes out on your own playing nine holes once a month or once a week, and it's not going to make a difference, is it I really? Know, what's interesting though, I do find that kind of very, very casual golfers that aren't playing competitions, I bet they still follow a lot of the rules that yeah. would govern, like, I bet a lot of them still carry 14 clubs and they'll, they'll you know, mm -hmm. they'll do everything that they should be doing. It's just that they're not playing in competitions. I've also heard as well, and I don't know how true this is, that the golf ball might have to also have more biodegradable factors to it. That would make sense. So like, for example, if... It, find, it finds itself in water hazard, which is probably quite likely, that it'll actually over time degrade yeah. more than more than Makes the sense. golf balls at the moment because the golf balls at the moment just don't degrade, do they? No. No, it's an interesting time. It feels like this last couple of weeks, it's normally the quieter part of the season now before the new year and all the new golf clubs come out and the season start again. This last couple of weeks, there's been a lot going on. Um it's exciting. We've obviously got a lot of videos in the can this last couple of weeks from being obviously you've been in America, being here in Dubai, it's an exciting time. Yeah, and and that's the one one bonus, and I, and I still think all tours should do this for having a bit of an off season because mm. it, it you have the bit of that off season, you miss it. Yeah, you're like because it sounds daft now, and again you started the, the, almost the the podcast talking about this. We're excited about John Rahm teeing up in the first love event. Mm. We have to wait till February. Yeah. Like that's that. I like that. In that some sense, mind by then <laughs> give the money back. <laughs> it's but it's exciting. Yeah, it is. Bold call. Go on. Who do you think is the next big name player to go? I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantlay go over there. Or I've also heard Victor Hovland rumours as well. But I don't know. Jeez. I if, think if, if Victor, Victor went, that would be a bit. But again, back to the point earlier on, is anybody else going to move, other than Rory, or obviously if Tiger ever did it, which he wouldn't do now, is anybody actually going to move the needle? Is it just, or is it just a case of once oh, another one goes, another one goes, another one goes, then it just just become the best tour? I don't know. Who's my prediction? I'm going to say, kind of think who John Rahm might bring into his team. I'm going to say, God, don't want to, don't want to throw anyone under the bus. <laughs> I'm not going to say. Um, but I, I don't, we're definitely not going to hear the last of it. More so live more players. And there's live players swapping teams, which still not quite getting my head around no, just I yet. Taylor Gooch has now gone to smash, which is, Bryson's team. So you got two of the, no, the Brooks's team. Brooks's team, sorry. You got two of the best players now on one team. I heard something about this because I didn't make sense that they, they swapped Matt Wolf for Taylor Gooch as a trade. And you think, well, why would why would they want to let Taylor why would the Range Goats want to let Taylor Gooch go in return for Matt Wolf? But apparently it's to do with equity stake so that Brooks might tempt them over and say, if you come and join my team, I'll give you 10% equity, let's just say. Whereas when he, when 
I'm getting confused now. So what? Yeah, he then gets equity. But then Matt, when Matt Wolf goes to range goat, he doesn't have much equity. So the range goats aren't giving as much away, even though they're getting a potentially worse player. Does that make sense? So it's almost like cash, essentially. So let's just say, for argument's sake, I can't. I, I, yeah. Okay. I it's get like, what you mean. It's like football, but instead of the transfer fee, they get equity. So if Mo Salah left Liverpool for Real Madrid. Or if he went to a worse team, if let's say he went to Newcastle, no offence, Newcastle fans, but Liverpool got 200 million, well, that would make sense as to why he's gone, because Liverpool get the 200 million. At the minute, that's not how Liv's working, but he's getting better, better equity. So he's leaving, but he's getting more equity. And I think, then. I think you should have picked a worse team than Newcastle. Maybe, sorry, Newcastle, but they got a lot of money and they're doing quite <laughs> well. Um, all right, interesting times. Yep. So we're top golf. As my thing top, top leading? Yeah, just. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel a bit flat. Why? With it all. Oh, it's oh, draining, isn't it? Makes for good content now. Makes for great podcast. I'm loving it. Keep keep them coming. I want to do this every week. The new uh, the new golf ball will make lots of new videos coming soon. Thanks for watching. If you ever join Liv, by the way, can I do one about you going? Yeah. So I can do an emergency podcast on the Rich Shields golf that you've gone for Liv. Rich's gone for 40 grand. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you the exclusive interview. That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, right, guys. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. Um, what would your also, team name be called quickly? Um, the Rockets. That's not bad, actually. To be fair. Rich bad, Rockets. Um, Liv. <laughs>